Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's. With all the storms that happened last night, could you imagine what you would possibly need so badly in the middle of the night last night that you would have gone and started pounding on your neighbor's door? Help! I need something! What would be so urgent? What would be so pressing? Well, this morning, God will lead us to see just what we need so badly and how he will graciously give it to us as the Lord teaches us how to pray. We'll follow along with the order of service as it's printed in your bulletin and also projected on the screen in front of you. We begin then by uh, singing our first hymn, noting that the soloist will sing the first verse alone, and then we join in on verses 2 and 3. of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God invites us to come into his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. 
Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Father has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The works of the Lord are great and glorious. 
His name is worthy of praise. open to the prayers of your humble servants who come to you in Jesus' name. Teach us always to ask according to your will that we may never fail to obtain the blessings you have promised. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated for the scripture lessons. Our first lesson today, taken from Genesis chapter 18, we see Abraham's example of prayer for us, children of Abraham. The sermon will be based on these words. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. This is the word of our God. 
Our second lesson this morning, taken from 1 Timothy chapter 2, where we hear what to pray for. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. This is God's word. We sing the verse of the day. stand in honor of the gospel. The gospel today taken from Luke chapter 11 where Jesus not only teaches the Lord's prayer but how to pray. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished one of his disciples said to him, Lord teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray say Father hallowed be your name, your kingdom come Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn, 719. Oh. 
mercy and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ who is the one mediator between God and men. Amen. God's word we consider in our sermon today the first lesson from Genesis 18. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Did you hear about what's going to happen in Kiel tomorrow? The earthquake? And I'm not talking about just a, a little tremor or two. I'm talking about an earthquake of historic proportions. A disaster as great as what happened in Herculaneum and Pompeii 2,000 years ago when Mount Vesuvius erupted. This is going to be an earthquake where the earth will split apart and swallow all the inhabitants of the city. And it's happening tomorrow. Now if you heard that, you would probably be a little bit suspicious. Because you could imagine maybe some severe straight-line winds coming through this part of Wisconsin or a tornado, but an earthquake? Last I checked... There aren't any fault lines anywhere near here. But then your mind would also turn to the people living in Kiel. Well, we've got friends there. There are brothers and sisters in Christ living there. Uh, we go there occasionally, maybe drive through. What could we do? And would anyone over there believe us if we told them? So many people think that prayer well, he doesn't do anything. Because God's going to do whatever he wants to do anyways. And if anything's really going to get done, we've got to do it ourselves. But this morning, as the Lord teaches you and me to pray, he wants us to see just how urgent and just how effective prayer is. Prayer is a pressing matter. Pressing for others and also pressing the Lord. Last weekend, Pastor Miller preached about how the Lord went and told Abraham and especially Sarah about the upcoming birth of their child. After the Lord completed that visit, he turned his attention toward Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, right outside there, that was where Abraham's nephew Lot lived. And the Lord says here, 
that the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah had reached him. It was a great outcry, and their sin was so grievous that the Lord wanted to go and find out if it was just as bad as he had heard. Now, when we hear the way the Lord puts that, we might wonder, why would the Lord need to go? Why would the Lord need to be physically present there when the Lord knows all things? He's omniscient. The Lord helps us see here that when he allows a disaster or sends a judgment on someone, he doesn't take that lightly. He investigates thoroughly. He knows exactly what is just and right because he has taken the time to look through that carefully. Well, just what was the, the grievous sin of Sodom? Well, Ezekiel chapter 16 tells us that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. And all those things were certainly true. Sodom and Gomorrah lived on a fertile plain uh, that the Lord describes as being just as lush as the garden of the Lord itself. So they had a lot of stuff there, a lot of food. They were overfed. But this, because of their sinful natures, led this to them not being concerned about anyone else. As is very evident when those two men went to Sodom and Gomorrah seeking some refuge, they weren't concerned about the needs of those men in the least. But the grievous sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was more than that. Jude verse 7 tells us that it was sexual immorality and perversity as well. But when those two men went and sought refuge in Sodom and Gomorrah, looking to stay the night there, every male in the entire city came out from young to old looking to violate those men in any number of ways. And if Lot didn't hand them over, they were going to do even worse to Lot. Just how could things have gotten to that point? How could human beings fall into that kind of depravity? Well, Romans 1 explains to us that when people continue to reject the word of the Lord, eventually he hands them over to depravity. And it's not as though the people of Sodom and Gomorrah simply practiced these sins. Isaiah chapter 3 tells us that they paraded those sins around. And they took great pride in them. The Lord is patient with people. But eventually it comes a time when the Lord needs to condemn and call people out and bring judgment on people just as he did in the flood. And Abraham knew that full well. It's likely, as you look at the genealogies in Scripture, that Abraham was alive for about the last 45 years of Noah's life. Who knows, maybe they even spoke to each other. But Abraham knew very well about the judgment, the condemnation that came at the time of the flood. So when Abraham heard this from the Lord, what did he do? Well, Abraham did not simply say, yeah, those are a bunch of dirtbags over in Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, it's about time that they get what's coming to them. Abraham did not say, well, my nephew Lot knew what he was doing when he moved over there. I guess he should have been more careful. I should just go back and get to my wife. And after all, there was that promise from the Lord about us having a son. I think we should go and take care of that. Abraham did not say that. 
As those two men turned and went toward Sodom, those two angels, Abraham was there in the presence of the Lord, and he approached the Lord in prayer. He approached the Lord and said, Will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? If there are 50 righteous people in that city, will you really sweep away the whole city? There are a couple aspects to Abraham's prayer that we need to consider here. First of all, who of anyone among us is righteous? Abraham wasn't righteous in and of himself. But Abraham knew the righteousness that comes from the Lord, the righteousness that is by faith. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Lot had this righteousness too. 2 Peter chapter 2 tells us that Lot was a righteous man and he was distressed in his soul over the depraved conduct of lawless men living all around him there in Sodom and Gomorrah. So Abraham pleaded and prayed on behalf of the righteous, on account of the righteous. Lord, you are the judge of all the earth. You will do what is right. But even the wicked would benefit from Abraham's prayer. The Lord himself said that he would not sweep away the entire city. He would spare the entire city for the sake of the righteous who were in that city. These were the wicked people who already had been captured and carried off by kings from the north and they understood just how it, or just what it was like to be vulnerable. Yet even after Abraham rescued them and brought them back to their city, they continued in their ways. These were wicked people in Sodom and Gomorrah who even after Abraham had called on the name of the Lord after he had built an altar there in their land, they still continued to reject the word of the Lord. The Lord is so patient that he answered Abraham's prayer with a yes, I will spare this entire city if there are 50 righteous people found in it. How patient and merciful the Lord is. But there on the brink of this disaster, on the brink of this condemnation, Abraham considered prayer a pressing matter, pressing to pray on behalf of other people. How about you and me? Do we do the same? We here in 21st century Wisconsin, we live in a land very similar to Sodom and Gomorrah, a land where people are buying and selling, eating and drinking, planting and building houses. A land where so many people are swept up in wickedness. A land where so many people will be swept away by the Lord's condemnation since they don't have righteousness in Christ and so many aren't even concerned about it in the least. A land which will one day have fire and brimstone raining down on it in judgment from the Lord. That day could be tomorrow. We don't know how far away that is. And there are so many righteous people in our towns, in the cities all around us, who are tempted to, to drift away from the Lord, to follow the example of the wicked around them, who would then, if they fell away from the Lord, fall under the same condemnation 
Do we treat prayer casually? Oh, if I get around to it today, great. If not, oh well, I got busy. Oh, forgot again. If the Lord came and visited here, how many righteous people would he find? If the Lord came to your home, would he find prayer a pressing matter among you and your family? Or would he find us indifferent to the judgment that we all deserve? Let me tell you what the Lord finds when he comes and visits us. He finds hearts where Christ dwells. Jesus Christ not only taught his disciples to pray, but he prayed perfectly in their place. Jesus woke up early in the morning to go off into lonely places and onto mountainsides to pray. Jesus prayed, called to his Father in heaven day and night. Even on the eve of judgment raining down from heaven on Christ on the cross, Jesus prayed for his disciples and for all who would come to believe in him through their message. Even on the cross itself, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The judge of all the earth does what is right. The judge of all the earth pardons you and me on account of Jesus' passion and death and his perfect prayer life for us. Jesus' perfect prayer life dwells within you through faith. Jesus' perfect prayer life resides in your inner being from the time you were baptized and it occupies your heart as you take communion month after month. The judge of all the earth does what is right. You are righteous and forgiven. This year on the radio I've heard this ad several times. A woman is talking to her scheduling app. And the scheduling app says, next week, Thursday, you're going to get caught in a flash flood. The woman says, no, that doesn't work. I'm busy next Thursday. I've got a very important meeting. Reschedule. Reschedule. There are some things in life that we can't change. A lot of things, actually. We can't change and control the future. We can't change what other people do. We can't change what comes our way by way of weather. But when you pray, you go to the one who has control over all things, the judge of all the earth. He is the one who has the authority to give life and to take it. He is the one who has the power to bring people to spiritual life by the power of his word, to bring them to faith and to repentance. He is the one who has the right to sweep away the wicked and he has the, the mercy to spare the righteous. And he bends his gracious will to your prayers, you children of Abraham. Prayer is a pressing matter. As we go to the Lord on behalf of others, but it's also a pressing matter as we press the Lord himself. Could you imagine having a conversation like Abraham has with the Lord here, with your boss, knock on the boss's office door, go on in, sit down, say, boss, I've been working here a while, been working pretty hard, I was wondering, could I have a $2 an hour raise? Yeah? 
Oh, well, actually, as long as we're on the subject, could I have a $5 an hour raise? Yeah? Oh, well, please don't get mad at me, but uh, could I have a $15 an hour raise? On an, how long do you think it would be before the boss tossed you by the collar out of his office and said, no, I'm going to find someone else? Abraham pressed the Lord not twice, not three times, but six times. If there are 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Yet in this generation, where so many more complaints happen toward our leaders than encouragement, and so many more jokes are told about those in authority than prayers offered for them, humility and respect are kind of a foreign concept. Yet as Abraham pressed the Lord in prayer, he did so humbly, calling on him as the Lord, capital L, lowercase o-r-d, that refers to the Lord as the master of all, all authority in heaven and earth. He has all dominion. Abraham said, I am but dust and ashes. Lord, you are up here. I am down here. But Abraham didn't give up. He wouldn't let up. And he didn't hush up. He kept pressing the Lord. You too, press the Lord day and night. Keep going back week after week, year after year. It's reflecting on my wife and my prayer life. As we say our prayers before bed, we've been praying for some of the same people for our entire marriage, relatives or friends, whether it's for their health matters or faith or lack thereof. Keep pressing the Lord in prayer. Isn't that what Jesus taught in the gospel for today? Go and pound on his door day and night. Press him. Keep upping your requests. Press the Lord. Because just as he did with Abraham, he is gracious, hears, and answers our prayers. Prayer is a pressing matter as we press the Lord. Now, I don't know if there's going to be anything kind of disaster that happens in the city of Kiel tomorrow. But I do know that the Lord's judgment is coming. This entire world will be engulfed in flames, destroyed by fire. Do you wonder why Abraham stopped at 10? Why did Abraham stop at 10 righteous people? Did Abraham assume, surely, there must be 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah? Yet the Lord knew. And the Lord answered Abraham's prayer by sweeping away the ungodly and the wicked and by sparing the righteous, even though there were far fewer than ten. The Lord sent his angels to rescue Lot, Lot's wife, Lot's daughters. Lot's wife is a sermon for a different time and a different place. But the Lord spared the righteous. And he answered Abraham's prayer in a way that Abraham didn't imagine. But was even better. All in line with the Lord's will. The Lord will do the same for you and me. As we pray, your will be done. The Lord may answer our prayers a little bit differently than we expected. He is the judge of all the earth who does what is right and true. All in keeping with his promises. 
Yes, prayer is a pressing matter. May it always stay that way among us. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue by confessing our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated for prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the privilege of coming to you in prayer. May we always approach you boldly and confidently through Jesus Christ, the one mediator between God and men. Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. Thank you for redeeming Pastor Charlie Hoyt and for receiving him into eternal life this past week. Please be with all who mourn. Please be with and watch over and guide Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Plymouth as they proceed with ministry in your name. And lead us all to look to you, Jesus, in the darkest valleys and through death itself. Now, at this time, I invite you to lift up your hearts to God and pray with me the Lord's Prayer as Christ our Lord taught us. First, we pray that God our Father in heaven would look with mercy on all his children on earth. We ask him to give us grace that we might proclaim his word faithfully and live our lives according to his will. For then we show that his name is precious to us. We also pray that he would keep us from any teaching and living which would dishonor his name. We pray that his kingdom and the rule of his grace might come to us and grow in us each day, that all who are still captives in Satan's kingdom might be brought to know Jesus Christ, his son, so that the Christian church might grow and prosper. We pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen us to do and accept God's will in life and death, in good times and in bad, and that we might have power to put down our own sinful will and its desires. We pray that our Father would also give us our daily bread, preserve us from greed and selfish desires, 
and help us to trust that he will provide for all our needs. We ask that God would forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us so that our hearts may rest and rejoice in a good conscience before him and that no sin may ever frighten or alarm us. We pray that God would protect us from all temptations and help us by his spirit to put down our sinful flesh, to despise the world and its vices, and to overcome the devil and all his trickery. And finally, we pray that God would deliver us from all evils of body and soul, now and forever. All those who sincerely desire these things will say from their hearts, Amen, trusting without doubt that their prayers are answered in heaven, as Christ has promised. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Please stand. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord will be with you always. seated. Those who are visiting with us, please note our practice of close communion as it's outlined in the bulletin and on the screen. 